You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the Crown Plaza Hotel, Grand Hall, and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all of your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. We are pleased to announce our podcast is now a member of the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You can find Leaders and Legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guests today are two people who are bringing a fresh perspective to the local conversation. Amanda Kingsbury and Leslie Bailey. They are both former members of the Indianapolis Star, but they have created what is called Indie Maven, which had its one-year anniversary in October, and we are just now getting a chance to talk to them. It's Indianapolis's premier digital lifestyle platform for women, and it celebrated its one-year anniversary just a few months ago. The platform, which features articles written by and for women, connects readers through women-centric storytelling, creates access to female-centered brands, and provides insight from a diverse influencer network representing women from an array of races, ages, and socioeconomic levels. And they also appear on the relatively caveman-esque Leaders and Legends podcast, where I expect to get scolded by Amanda like I did the first time she was on over a year ago. Thank you, Leslie and Amanda, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. The Indie Maven website, the genesis of the idea, I remember, quite frankly, I remember, Amanda, you and I talking about it when you were first kind of formulating it. Why don't we start with you? Tell us a little bit about what caused you to go down this road. Well, it's, it's a road that Leslie and I have been traveling for a good five or six years back when we worked at the Indy Star, and we identified women as not only a um, lucrative network for the Indy Star, but a very engaged um, politically, socially, um, community-wise network. And I say this a lot, but what we were noticing is that a lot of the coverage in mainstream media for women They kind of fell into two camps, traditional stay in your lane roles slash even in some cases, sexual rewards, or they were, um, don't laugh (laughs) or (laughs) it's just usually not phrased that way. I'm laughing at the phrasing, you know, victims of a crime. And there were some really important stories that came out like the, um, Larry Nassar coverage, but there was nothing really in between. You didn't see women in a lot of coverage just as part of the regular coverage. Leslie. Yeah, I, I think Amanda and I um, had some 
success with some things that we were able to try out together during our time at the star. I don't think we ever really got to take things to the level that we thought that they could succeed at for one reason or another, even if we were just in our own way from time to time. Um, but we had, we'd had long for a long time had these ideas and we were just both at a point in our lives where it was like, well, this seems like a good time to, to try it. And we believed in it. So we, took a stab at it. And so far, so good. To append to Amanda's point, uh, Leslie, what did you think was missing or perhaps is still missing from the coverage of, of women in this media market? Well, the talk track, Amanda just said, I, I feel like I say this a lot and I feel like I say what I'm about to say a lot, but that's kind of, there's a reason for it. So I did not go to journalism school. So I'm sitting in a newsroom full of really talented journalists who, I mean, career journalists who went to J school, did the whole thing, had the internships, have been at incredible newspapers and publications. I did not, that was not my path. Um, so I, there was a little bit of this feeling of that maybe what I had to offer was slightly discredited and I kind of got bucketed into like, well, we, for example, I never had to do a breaking news shift ever because no one thought to ask me. And that's something I can say now, but I wasn't about to bring it up that, okay, I won't be on call at midnight. That sounds mm -hmm. good. But in some ways it was a little insulting. It was like, you know, I'm here, right? I, I literally said it's desk across from you. Um, so there was, I think some, some stereotypes, some generalizations as far as just from a storytelling perspective and a, a career perspective, but I was watching what Amanda was saying happen. And I'm looking at the rest of the publications I follow and going, Hmm, I'm not seeing that that's necessarily happening in other markets. Um, and we're not talking to women in the same way. And so we can't say that we sit there, we want to, we want the power that women have as far as spending dollars and influencing household decision-making, but then we're not listening to what they're saying when it comes to, this is the, this is the news that I want. This is how I want to digest it. This is how I want to receive it. So there was, um, some friction in between those approaches that I thought we could probably try and marry together a little more seamlessly. You mentioned hey, your one thing. Your, go ahead. I was in the newsroom in 2014 when a male reporter was taking a group through the newsroom and introduced us as the jams and jellies department. And I was furious, but that shows how much that attitude persisted. Meaning expand a features on that. department. Yeah. And is that, is that seen as not quite in the echelon of, hard news investigative reporting? In other words, is there an inherent condescension both from an onlooker and an insider perspective? I don't know about the onlooker pers perspective as well as how Leslie explained the insider perspective. Um, a limit to our ambition and capabilities despite what the numbers showed. Right, because there's a reason why uh, local journalism, and this isn't just Indianapolis, there's a reason why there are so many features on craft beer and various other things, which wouldn't be seen as hard hitting news. Uh, it has to be, that's what the folks want to read about. And that time in the newsroom, that discussion was being had a lot, right? Like what is news? What, you know, we're, this is the first time that we have chart beat up on the walls and we're looking and what stories are doing well. And, oh, that's interesting. You know, it turns out maybe the stuff that 
we were dismissing is actually this stuff that's <laughs> paying some of the bills around here. And like, maybe we should take a closer look and wh- why is this happening? And, you know, again, I was also younger than a lot of people in the newsroom. And so I, I had not lived through the world of pre-chart beat really, or pre-analytics, right? I came up at this time where we're really starting to examine what are these analytics telling us? What does this engagement mean? And are we coming at it from the right perspective? Sometimes yes, but it also was an opportunity to, to change things up. You mentioned, Leslie, that your background is not in journalism, just like mine is not in public relations, um, which is what I do for a living. What is your background? How did you end up at the star? Well, it was, it was communications, right? I was actually, I was just in school when I started um, through a very weird series of events. I just uh, decided to do some freelance writing through, I think it was first through Metro Mix, um, mm-hmm. where Amanda was. And that's how we first got connected through a mutual friend. And somebody had I started off as a blogger, basically. I, my, my, my education was communications and I started blogging. And that's how I got started in journalism. I mean, let me ask you a journalism question. Chartbeat, please explain what it is to the audience and give your opinion on it. Positive, negative, morally neutral. I'm morally neutral, but Chartbeat was a tool that we could see the top stories being read at any given moment, how many people were reading them, where they were coming from, and how much time they spent on every story. So from you the could digital, start to develop. What? From the digital platform of the Indie Star. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is Chartbeat too powerful, too influential as a decision maker in, in story, in reporting and storytelling for all newspapers? I mean, I think it can be because, um, you know, you don't want to just, I mean, cheap clicks, they exist. And I think that's a way of abusing people's attention, right? But I think what we did come to understand is the ones where there were a fair amount of people on the story and they were spending a lot of time on it. So you knew that there was some real value to that story. They were reading it. They weren't just looking at the headline and bouncing off. Was there ever a time that Kravitz oil number one on chart beat? Yes. <laughs> they seem to get the sports department as a whole seems to get an inordinate amount of resources. Is that just public driven? Um, no, <laughs> I think a lot of that has to do with the people who are in charge. I mean, sports is obviously very valuable. And their coverage is very valuable and their insight. But um, yes, you have um, male editors who are much more into sports than, say, the arts. So the sports department gets most of the resources. At the time when you were both at the Indy Star, though, it's fair to say that there were several women in top management. How much, including the editor-in-chief and some others, how much did that change the culture of the star? Did you feel like you had an ally and someone who said, hey, we never would have covered this? but now we are because this perspective is now more represented in the newsroom. I think so. I've, I certainly felt that there were wins there and I, I, I felt a a shift and a change. Um, I wasn't there, I think long enough, right. To really speak to from a long-term perspective, how that changed. But I mean, for the, for the years that I was there, I can definitely say, that there, there was movement and change. Um, I don't know that I felt that it lasted. Um, I don't know that it was sustained, but also I'm not there, so I can't really, I can't really say, but it didn't feel that way towards the end for me. Amanda? I was just gonna say, there were a lot of men who got it there too. 
sure. you know, some of the top levels, some of the mid-level editors and the reporters. So um, it wasn't just about women changing the culture. It was uh, about people who understood a new way of embracing readers culture, I think, that we were struggling against. Is the creation and the launch of Indie Maven sort of the culmination of of years of frustration combined with terrific opportunity and the fact that the, and I know that not all your investors are female, but the, the female entrepreneurial class is certainly much bigger than it used to be. And so how did you, Amanda, how did you kind of formulate this and go, you know what, I need to have an outlet for my creativity, for my strength and be able to make my own decisions and empower other female journalists to do the same. If you don't mind, I'm going to turn that question over to our CEO and executive <laughs> director, well, Leslie. Both of y'all get a chance to answer every question. So, but Leslie, go ahead. Well, I, I want to say too, this isn't like some sort of like revenge project either. Yeah, like, sure, there were frustrations because I think that a lot of good ideas, right? Inventions come out of frustration. Oh, I wish this thing worked better. How, I would like to see this done differently. How about I come up with this idea? But I would say the driving force was more inspiration. Um, Amanda and I are just both huge consumers, as is um, Abby Gardner, our executive editor, our, our entire team. Like we are women that, that consume a large amount of information and we pay attention like to a lot of publications and a lot of different news sources. And we're part of the conversation and we're tracking the conversation. So those things, when you see something, that's really cool. I'm seeing this work in another market or I've been inspired by that. That's the driving force behind it. Not like, Oh, this is so frustrating. Yeah. That's part of it. And that feeds it, but it's not the driver behind it. Leslie, who have you met in this indie Maven endeavor, uh, which is just over a year old, who has inspired you? feel like maybe it has to do with the time of year and it's not actually necessarily someone I met, but I have brought this up. We talk about Janet Easley um, was this woman who, how many turkeys, Amanda, or 10,000 Thanksgiving dinners. Yeah. 10,000 Thanksgiving dinners annual that she cooks. volunteers. And I, I always bring that one because I have never had a story. I mean, I was brought to tears and goosebumps and inspiration and all the things that you a good story does to you. And that has just had, that story had a profound impact on me and I didn't meet her. It was just somebody I read about. She comes to my mind all the time. If that woman can do what she is doing with the resources she has, like there's no stopping anybody who wants to set their mind to something like that. But also I would not point to one person individually, but, but our editorial board is such an incredible group of women. And I'll I'll be the first to admit the first meeting, I was terrified. I was kind of like, how am I going to walk in to this room of these just smart and successful and interesting women who are doing incredible things in our community and come to them and say, Hey, do you want to join this thing? And, um, you know, these are women who already have so many things fighting for their attention. Are they going to care about this? And we were so lucky that they right, they got it right away. Um, they're kind of the thing that I keep in mind, right. Which is the point of an editorial board. So I keep their voices in mind as we shape our direction every day. Care to mention a few names? Who's on your editorial board? We want to know if they're this, if they're wonderful. A, we want them on the Leaders and Legends podcast, or B, maybe some of them have already come on. 
So we, there are 20 of them um, on IndieMaven.com. We have an editorial board page. Um, so I can say, I know that we have a mutual friend, Denise Hurd. Um, so Wonderful. She, she is our most recent addition. So I can um, say that she has been just somebody who's and awesome to have, but I just, I, I, we, there are so many, I wouldn't even know where to, where to begin. Um, and that's not for lack of, I have them all in front of me. I just, I don't even know how to pick one person. That makes me so nervous. <laughs> Read them all. I want to know who they are. This, okay, is, you ready? this is free media. So go right ahead. I want to know who they are. Okay. We have Amy Bartner, also former star employee. Terrific. Bar, who's uh, Girls Inc. Sharon Chang, who's Indianapolis Public Schools. Deborah Dorman, Remax Legend. Denisha Ferguson, who's with Indiana Fashion Foundation. Tiffany Hansen with Lunal Language Services. Denise Hurd with Hurd Strategies. Aisha Rose, who's with The Strength of She. Emily Massingale, who's with Crystal House Doors. Mm -hmm. Taylor Parker, who's with Born This Way Foundation. Shelby Ruby Terry, The 40 Group. Uh, Melina Simone Jeffers, uh, who just, we had an amazing story um, with her, who has a whole new thing that she's launched this week. Uh, Kathy Suchet Downey, who's with Congressman Andre Carson's office, Manon Voice, who is an incredible poet, spoken word artist, um, and Michelle Dahl, who runs Michelle's Little Free Pantry. So a wide variety of industries and backgrounds and incredible women that I am for sure honored to know and work with. Now you mentioned, to keep the focus on Leslie for just one second, you mentioned you were nervous. Um, it's tough to go in and, and pitch ideas or you know, pitch your consulting services to, to decision makers. You know, uh, I think we all remember the first time, and this wasn't your first time obviously, but the first time we're in a room with really powerful people who can make or break you or who can say, yeah, you know what, we should hire this guy. And it can be somewhat intimidating. But you did it. Your platform, the Indie Maven platform, started with a $1,000 investment, and you have grown it. How did you pitch it, and how have you grown it? Uh, well, we first pitched it, and how we grew it, I guess, are, are one and the same. You know, pitching it to that group of women, I was more just intimidated because they're successful, and I wanted them so desperately to believe in what we were doing. And because if they didn't get it and they didn't believe in it, then maybe we weren't on to the right thing. Um, so that was where that kind of an initial, I, I guess you could say anxiety came from as far as from a business standpoint. So I think a lot of times we get the question, people are kind of skirting around it and I almost have to interrupt and go, are you asking how we make money? Is that what you're asking right now? Um, and the answer is this, we had the idea and um a woman we know, Crystal Grave, helped us get us off ground. And we had these conversations and we, Amanda and I went to Crystal and said, we have this idea. And she said, okay, here, let's package it this way. And then we went to businesses in the community that we already had relationships mm -hmm. with. I'll be the first to say, I, I was, I, I'm not a salesperson. So I felt comfortable going to people that I knew and saying, hey, I have this idea. You can like it. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Um, but if you do, we would love for you to become a partner with us and becoming a partner with us means we're going to have this year long relationship and you're going to be an advertiser, but you're going to be more than that to us, right? You, you become part of our business and sort of this extended version of our, our, our Indie Maven family. And so 
we, that was an incredible experience. Every time I would go on a call with Crystal and we get in the car and somebody said yes on the spot. And she goes, you know, that that doesn't happen like that all the time, right? This is not like a normal sales experience. Cause I'm sitting there going, what's everybody complaining about sales is so easy. All you have to do is go in and tell them. And then they say, yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, that, that's not to say that there were not no's. I mean, there were a few people, but now looking back, I'm like, that was totally inappropriate to even approach that person with what we were asking at the time. So I have learned a lot about sales uh, since then, but at the end of the day, it was also approaching people that we knew had similar values in our community. Um, they, they were community minded. They believed in uplifting women and supporting their voices and they believed in us and our product. So, so we were fortunate that there were a lot of fast and easy yeses. So with those initial investments as advertisers, we were able to put together a team. Um, I'm proud to say we have paid every contributor that we have ever worked with. Uh, we believe in compensating um, women specifically for the, for the work that they do. I mean, we believe in paying everybody for the work that they do, but I think often women, especially creatives, uh, are told to do a lot of work for exposure and for free. And that's something that I experienced a lot in the beginning yeah. of my career. And, and that's fine to do once or twice, but, but you can't make a career on that. You find it, you find it particularly ironic that people who are in business to make money don't expect you to do this for free. I know you do this for a living, but do this for free for me. And then we'll talk about the next time. Right. And especially with a product that's digital. So we don't have a print product. You can't go pick this up. And for some people that's hard. What, what am I getting right? What, and, and the value what's social media and how, where do you put the number and the value on that? Um, but I recently had the opportunity. I am not going to name the name of this, a national publication, and I got to sit down, a, a digital publication similar to ours, and I had the conversation to talk to one of the co-founders, and I found out that their business was built on women contributing content free, and there were 700 contributors, and I said, that is incredible. Show me a product where 700 men work for free. And they have, they have a really successful brand now. And that was the way they did it. And, 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 you know, they started a lot earlier than we did. And that was sort of more accepted and commonplace. But I also have to point out, you know, this, we're in a, in a world where lines are very blurred with ethics and journalism and you add bloggers and influencers and what's transparency and what's ethical and what isn't. And, I think that's, I'm also proud that's what sets us apart. We still adhere to traditional journalism ethics. Like, yes, I think we've adapted to the world that's around us, but like, we also believe in being transparent and making sure that we have that separation that's important to us still, which I don't know that you necessarily get with some modern, uh, maybe newer publications. You mentioned you talked to some folks initially who, uh, who, said they weren't ready to get on board. Have you gone back to them and now with a more polished, perhaps more established product and they go, okay, now we get it. No. Cause you know what? It wasn't actually, it wasn't about the product and it wasn't about us or them. It was about, we had not, it, it really came down to a pricing thing. It was, Oh, now I get what a small business spends because I have always been, I'm not, I'm never, you know, in a newsroom, 
I don't, you don't talk to the, the advertising and sales team. <laughs> I am so far removed from that process, right? That is, which is great. That's how that should be. But when you're the one starting the business and you don't have departments and you're wearing all these different hats and you have a small team, right? It's not just me. Obviously there was Amanda and there's Crystal and, and we've slowly built out this team. But at the end of the day, I, I didn't know what a small business owner's marketing or advertising budget was. You know, and now I have a much better understanding and I also know how to have those conversations ahead of time. So I know now also what's help, what's appropriate to have as far as a discussion goes with a brand or an advertiser. I have a much better understanding of learning what their needs are too beforehand. It's, you know, I wanted to say, look, look, look Crystal and, and Amanda used to say like, it's like, you're taking your baby. Look at my baby. Isn't my baby cute? My baby's cute, right? My baby has value. You're going to pay for my baby, aren't you? But I didn't stop and say like, how can my baby help you? What do you need right now? And then two since COVID, that's changed that conversation a lot. Like your needs are different now than when we first talked last summer. So, you know, the, the no's were not no's because they didn't get it or they didn't believe in it. It was because they were, I was, I was asking the wrong people. And again, there, there were very few of those. Um, most of them were, were good targets and good conversations to have. And we have had incredible year long relationships with those people. You're listening to leaders and legends, a podcast presented by veteran strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the Crown Plaza Hotel, Grand Hall, and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. On the Leaders and Legends podcast today, we have the co-founders of Indie Maven, Amanda Kingsbury and Leslie Bailey. Amanda, there's very few people whose writing I enjoy more than yours. You are an absolutely superb writer, bright, witty, and uh, just someone who I think peels back the layers very quickly to get to the heart of, of your subject matter. How much do you enjoy writing? How central is that to your to your person? And how much fun are you having writing for Indie Maven? Um, well, writing is the hardest and most frustrating thing that I ever do. At the same time, it makes me the happiest. I'm most focused when I'm researching a story or writing it. It's truly the only time I live in the present is when I'm writing. <laughs> um, so I am so grateful to have this platform to come to with ideas and to be able to write personal things because I think the personal is universal. And I think that goes a lot, at least for me, when I read a personal essay, it will change my mind more than any data set ever will. So I love reading personal essays and I love writing them, but I also love writing stories like um, about other women and getting to know them. Would you like to give us some examples, please? Cause we want to know them. Women? Please. All right, well, so Leslie and I have been talking for years about how um, we have two things in common among many other things. We like to drink white wine and we like to collect eccentric older women. <laughs> so it is always <laughs> a pleasure for me to sit down with, say, a Murph Dameron, who is um, uh, an act or a model in New York who met Salvador Dali in a liquor store and ended up modeling for him, was known as the American Twiggy back in the 60s. 
these are the women whose stories I love to tell the most um, because they need to be told. So those of us who are still coming up in the world, I mean, not that I'm still, I mean, I'm still young, right? Um, can um, see the work that was done before us and give them the admiration and respect that they deserve. Whom would you like to talk to who you haven't been able to yet? Mm. Well, I'm working on talking. She's not famous. She's a local icon, Elizabeth Craft Taylor. I don't know if you know who she is, used to be in charge of the 500 festival and it really is a local legend. And I can't wait to sit down and talk to her about her life soon. Have you ever talked to Sally Rowland? No, I haven't. I'm happy to make that connection. You, she is, she's pioneer doesn't quite cover what she did for uh, female entrepreneurs in the city through Roland design. She came on the podcast with Danielle Shockey uh, and me um, earlier in 2020. And she, to call her a hoot would not quite do her justice. She is an incredibly important person with the personality that would match yours. You would, you guys, I'm, I'm happy to do that. If you want to add to your list of, of pioneers, let me know how I can be helpful. I've had a lot of luck on the leaders and legends podcast. Folks seem to want to come on and, and I'd love to throw uh, your name in the mix as, as someone to sit down with anything I can do to be helpful. I would love to talk to her. Um, you know, Will Higgins and I used to, joke we wanted to start a company called deadlines and it was going to be a company where we wrote people's obituaries and i know that sounds kind of morbid but um at a certain point you, you realize that you start your journalism career writing obits and you're cranky about it right and then you're like this is the big having written a couple of them even for people that i have known and loved that is the greatest honor to me too so um well, you were born on halloween uh, yeah, that's true. So there is there is that morbid side that will always exist. But uh, I don't know. I, my, my perspective is changing as I get older. I want to know how I can honor people's lives. Very well lived and interesting lives. And what's making it change? Your mom, your years in journalism, the more years you're here in Indianapolis, just sort of life experiences as a whole. What makes you we all go through changes as we get older. Uh, what's changing your perspective or maybe shifting your interests? Um, I think this year has been one of some grief and loss, you know, um, and, and a, a year ago I lost, um, my nephew, uh, to an opioid overdose and I wrote, um, his obituary and, um, I, the, the most important thing that my nieces at the time, cause they were my ex-husband's nieces, right. Sure. And they said, we didn't know whether to call you aunt Amanda anymore because you're not married to our uncle anymore. But after I wrote that obituary, they started calling me Aunt Amanda again. And that was just really important because it was a way of, I don't know, bringing our family together, you know, and, and, and showing that love and concern for um, a loved one that we'd all lost. How does Indy Maven grow beyond having supporters? I mean, I do PR for a living, as I said, I'm the worst marketer in the world, including for myself. So with so much potential, both realized and in the future, what is your vision for Indy Maven as it gets bigger? And do you see this as something that could exist in other cities? So when we were in the very early planning stages, and I have to point out that that was 
April of last year. So this was an idea in April and launched by October. So that was a really fast turnaround to get a startup up and running. It's been an, an, an incredibly busy year. Um, then add in a pandemic. And I also happened to go on a maternity leave um, this summer too. So there has been a lot to work through, um, but we grow by word of mouth, essentially. I mean, and when I say that, it sounds like such a, yeah, of course we have social media and we have an amazing Instagram following and we have a newsletter and we've got these great numbers, but, but truly the whole point of what we're doing is we always say like our brand, it should feel like a friend. Like this should be your friend that you go to that you say, Hey, everything from where should I go to dinner to what's a cause that I can get involved in right now that's important in my community. So it really is on a friend going, Hey, have you heard about any Maven? Hey, did you read this article on any Maven? We have a membership program. You know, we have all of the marketing things in place, but Mm -hmm. this brand is its kind of own entity, its own, you know, we actually had a brainstorming session, like who's in Maven? What is she like? Right. Like that's a, that's a common and, you know, marketing profile exercise, but, but it was really fun to do because it's like, who, who is this, the per, the maven behind what we're doing. And it was really easy for us to build this, this personality that is, is going out. And I love that it, it kind of operates as its own thing independently of what we do. How has Indie Maven interacted with local Indianapolis or Indiana media? Have they been receptive supportive if you've had an opportunity to kind of uh, talk about your endeavor in local journalism so from day one in our newsletter we have a section at the bottom called Psst, right and what is that so that is <laughs> and it's super fun to say in meetings oh that goes in Psst. Um, but if that's links to local and also national um, publications but again we're huge consumers of news ourselves and we are not trying to repeat anything that's already out there, right? If people will say to us, how come you don't do more of this? Well, because that outlet is doing that. That already exists and they're doing a really good job and and we want to uplift what they're doing. And so in the beginning, before we launched, it was like, oh, is this another pattern? Is this a fashion magazine? No, because that exists. And Paulina is doing an incredible job with with that brand. Or what about about kids? Can we see more kids content? No, there there are several publications already doing that. So- we use the phrase, we are, we're trying to fill the gap here, right? So when we see holes and opportunities, oh, that story isn't being told, that's where we come in. And if there are things that we think will resonate with our readers, then yeah, we will share that content. But um, we uh, just had our first segment on Fox 59 this week. I'll be going on every single day next week. They approached us and wanted to share our content with their audience. So that's... Um, one that we're kicking off this entire year. We've had a relationship with WFYI. Uh, We also just kicked off a relationship with Radio Now 100.9 through our in-house resident, DJ Gabby Love. Um, We've had, yeah, I mean, for the most part, we, I think, have been just really lucky to, to have had these outlets take notice and approach us and say, hey, what are you doing over there? Can we be a part of it? And, And that's such a great feeling. And Greg Andrews and I were supposed to meet last, um, you know, with the IBJ right. at the Styrian in Irvington before the pandemic started. So I'd like to reconnect with him and see what we can do with them too. 
Yay, steering. Casey Care, my childhood buddy who owns the steering. If you're listening, uh, I'll try to send more meetings that way. Amanda is a proud Irvingtonian, if you can't tell. Uh, about seven years ago, through the help, through only through the help of my friend Amanda Kingsbury, I was the subject of a Q&A um, uh, feature in the Indianapolis Star around Memorial Day about my small business and my service in the army. And one of the questions that was asked as part of the, as part of the uh, profile was what's your favorite quote? And my favorite quote has always been Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. If I had to choose another one, it would have been a parent is only as happy as her unhappiest child. How has motherhood changed how you look at the world? This is a question for both of you and how you write. Because when I became a father, the one thing that I realized very quickly is you cannot imagine how much parents love their children until you have one. Amanda, you have us, you're, you've been a mother for a few years now. Uh, has it changed or has it not changed at all? Well, I have a 14 year old and, um, uh, what it makes me think about is how I um, parent her differently than I was parented by my mother. And I can just give you an example. Um, we have ongoing conversations about sex and romance and relationships. I don't know if you've heard of the movie Professor Marston and the Wonder Women about the psychologist who created Wonder Women, but it's about him and his wife and the shared life partner that they had. It was a polyamorous relationship. Okay. So I was going to watch this with my daughter. And then I said, you know what? I think this is probably too mature for you. And she said, you don't think I can understand three people in a loving, caring relationship. So. And you said, I said, wow, I'm still not watching this with you. <laughs> <laughs> but Great point. But it just reminded me, I mean, this, it, it, how different when my mom talked to me about sex, it was one conversation it was a drawing anatomically correct because she was a nurse and it was don't have sex until you're married. Right. So how has this changed me as a person? It has completely opened me up to conversations and thoughts and feelings I never thought I would have. And if you're friends with Amanda on Facebook, uh, these conversations are posted quite frequently, much to the joy of everyone who gets to read them. Leslie, what about, what about that for you? I mean, when you're a parent, forget mother or father for a second, but when you're a parent, there's a different responsibility. You're thinking about the future and their college and being a role model and making sure they have everything they need. Has that influenced your writing and, and quite frankly, your, your drive to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. So Amanda was actually one of the first people I told that I was pregnant. And I, and the reason being Amanda is not and how do I say it? Amanda's not, Amanda is like me in this way that you, you could have taken her or motherhood or not. Right. This was, it was not a lifelong dream to like be a mom, a homemaker, all of these things. Right. I, I don't want to speak for you, but um, you, Amanda managed to have a career while raising an incredibly <laughs> insightful and smart daughter. And it's been so fun for me to watch her daughter grow up too. But the reason was because I never knew if I wanted to have kids or not. 
I was on the fence. Could have gone either way. If it happened, it happened. Great. But when it did, I was like, Oh, I'm not prepared. I'm not a, I'm not a maternal, I'm not a loving person. I'm not, I mean, I love, I love people, but I am not what you would say, like as an overly affectionate person. Sure. And so I wanted to go to somebody that would tell me it's okay. You're still going to be a good mom. And of course the second, well, maybe not the second, but shortly after having, you know, both of my sons, I got it right away. And like, there is no love stronger than the love I have for my sons. But to that point, I have two boys and in our world right now, and I've said this phrase, but I take the responsibility of raising boys in this world so seriously. That is my number one priority to make sure that they grow up to be kind and caring and respectful beings and know the world that they come from is privileged and know that what the rest of the world is like for people who are not like them for whatever reason, whether that's race or gender. And this is sounds so like Pollyanna as I'm saying it, but it's, I take that so, so I don't take a lot of stuff overly seriously. Like I, I really try and have a nice sense of humor about myself specifically I'm self-deprecating, but when it comes to that, like I don't mess around with that. I take that really seriously. So yeah, it's important to me that they see that I am a strong person, that I am setting a good example, that I am teaching them how to treat others, how to treat women, um, that, that they very much play into why I am doing what I'm doing. As part of your celebration for the one-year establishment of Indy Maven, you did a membership drive and you donated 10% of the proceeds or are donating 10% of the proceeds I didn't get a, uh, a membership email. I, you could send me one. Did do, do I qualify? Are you a member? I'm not. I don't know. I've gotten any membership. I'm happy to the leaders and legends podcast would happily be a support. We try to support a lot of the folks who come on the, the podcast. Cause we know you're donating your time, but some of the pod, some of the nonprofits you've worked with and are donating to, would you like to talk about them a little bit? Indianapolis has, one thing that's come through, and we're almost on our 100th podcast here. One thing that's come through is the nonprofit community, along with the, the spirit of volunteerism that exists in Indianapolis, is simply the foundation of all the great things that have happened in this city over the, during the last 50 years. But please talk about some of your partners in the nonprofit endeavor and, and, and how the reaction's been to your membership drive. So from the creation of our media kit from day one, there has been a page and I think it's the third page in the kit that said philanthropy is a given. So with us, every event that we do, um, there is a give back component because that is just part of our mission. That is who we are. That is top priority for us. So when we have pre-COVID times, when we had in real life events, um, we did a fundraiser for Coburn Place, like our pre-launch brunch. I sit on the board there and uh, they were the beneficiary for that event. Pattern, the fashion um, 501c3 I mentioned earlier was part of the beneficiary from our style swap event, which was a clothing swap that we did in the fall. Um, so Girls Inc. is another one. I mean, organizations that benefit specifically women, um, secondarily children, uh, we have 
a number of those relationships and then something looking at for 2021. And I, again, this is, I've sat on this board of a nonprofit, but now being on this side of it, looking, what does that look like? Do we do a donor advised fund or um, a, a foundation within any maven? So how can we make sure that the money that we're collecting is best benefiting the, the organizations that we support? 2020 has been a historic year for many reasons, one of which is the recent election of Kamala Harris as the putative vice president of the United States. How does that, does that represent a glass ceiling to both you, Leslie and Amanda, or is it just kind of a natural progression that's come out of the, of the liberation movement of the sixties and seventies? That's a big question, Robert. <laughs> I don't. Which no, I'm. Uh, I'm. I know you are going to knock out of the park. <laughs> Have at it. It's hard to think about a natural progression um, from the '60s and '70s. A lot of groundwork was laid there, but then you think what it was. I mean, how many gains women have not made? I mean, isn't it in the mid '90s, uh, up until the mid '90s, that spousal rape was still legal, right? I mean, that that wasn't that long ago. So um, I don't know when I see Kamala Harris, I, I do think maybe there are some girls growing up now that when they tell you you can be a president, they'll believe it, you know, because there's actual evidence now. Um, but I uh, here there was a quote I saw from her, which I thought was one of the most important things she's ever said and a good thing for younger women to hear. There will be a resistance to your ambition, people who will tell you that you're out of your lane, they are burdened by only having the capacity to see what's always been instead of what can be. So I think our fight still continues to be against people who will limit us because they can only see what's in front of them instead of the possibilities. And that goes back to that stay in your lane roles that I was talking about earlier. Leslie? <laughs> I think that, I mean, it's certainly something I wanted to see. I didn't live through the 60s and 70s. Um, I just want to point out, uh, I have done a lot of women's studies, though. And I can say, I, I guess, yeah, like Amanda said, it's a loaded question, natural progression. Sure. It's something I certainly want to see in my lifetime. I... I think it's important. If, if anything, the thing that has come out since since these results are the anecdotal stories about young girls saying, oh, now I have somebody that I can look to that looks like me, or now, you know, and, and even if race aside, like, oh, I can see now there is a woman on that path and, and she made that. So yeah, that that's important. I don't think there's any way to argue that. Indy Maven is making its mark here in the city and beyond. But do you think, to go back to a question I asked a few minutes ago, does this exist in other cities or do you believe this is something that you can replicate for other cities? Sorry, I went on a tangent when you asked that earlier. Yes, it was modeled in a way that could be scaled to other cities. We, you know, I don't know though. Like I, I'm kind of just loving what we're doing in Indianapolis. Um, there, There's the potential and it's built in such a way that it can be replicated. I would love to see 
in Cincinnati and in, in cities similar to Indianapolis, like Cincinnati or Fort Wayne. Um, I'm from the Detroit area. I would love that. I, I, I certainly have zero aspirations to be coastal. I think those cities, you know, New York and LA, they're covered. They, they've got a lot of, I feel passionately about bringing things. I used to travel a lot and, and you know, and Amanda as well, like we things that are so cool. Oh, I saw this in London. And I would, in fact, one of our, our biggest inspirations was this publication that I used to bring, bring back from London called Stylist. It was this free publication. You pick it up at the airport or on the tube. And every single time I would bring it back to Amanda and say, look at this. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> We're talking about shoes and politics in the same issue for women and both were given the same amount of weight and isn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen and they're making money as they're doing it and so yeah I think there is room for that here and um, I would also love if we're just in the like what's in five years I would love to see a physical space uh, where women can have a co-working space offices um you know what's the equivalent of the old boys club on a golf course um perhaps it's a very chic space in an industrial space that has a juice and wine bar i don't know i don't know what that looks like maybe that's lactation room (laughs) yeah i have my pump sitting next to me as we speak um yeah but if i don't know if that, that would be a dream for me because I, I do think physical space is also important. And I think, you know, through this, this last year, we've learned that, that if we can have a space to gather that is safe um, and creative and collaborative, that would be huge. So I'm focused on indie right now, I think is where we're. Well, London's my favorite. Hey, West city Maven in the world, has a nice so let's room, go. does it not? I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> would you say that again, Amanda, please? Said Midwest Maven has a nice ring, doesn't it? It sure does. Let me ask one final question before we get uh, Leslie on the record for the five questions. Each of you, please, and maybe it's the same person, who's reached out to you in a private way, but maybe a way that you can relate to us here on the Leaders and Legends podcast and said, way to go. I love this idea. where do we even begin like someone you want a noteworthy person are you saying like a name other people would know yeah, like or- you know uh, when i started when i started my company uh there was uh, someone very prominent uh, his name is jim morris who just said you know being an entrepreneur is not easy best of luck to you toby mcclamrock said the same thing i met with a lot of people to get their advice and they said it's not easy and you're going to work harder than you ever have in your life, but the rewards can be great. And without their encouragement, quite frankly, I never would have done it. There has to be, I'm guessing, folks whose names we would recognize, powerful, influential, uh, important, caring, supportive folks who reached out and said, Leslie, I love this idea. Let me know if I can do anything for you. Yeah, I think Amanda has some, but I, I can give you a very recent example. Two days ago, I joined the Indie Chamber. And the day after was yesterday, they had a member orientation. So I jumped on that quickly. And Michael Huber, who's the president of Indie Chamber, was sitting there and sent me a message. And before I could even see his face, and I'm thinking, why is that name familiar? And he said, hey, my wife Helen and I loved your adventurous column at the Indianapolis Star. It's so great to, to see your face here. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. 
sir. I don't know. I couldn't, it wasn't clicking, right? It took me a minute. And then we get to it and we're all going around and introducing ourselves and I introduce myself and he interjects in front of the entire 30 person orientations. Like, and Leslie's not going to mention, but she had this amazing column in the Indianapolis star. And now she's doing this indie Maven thing and you really need to pay attention. And that was like, Oh, okay. Yes. That is. Thank you. Like at first I was like, so embarrassed. It wasn't clicking. <laughs> and I had, and he doesn't know this. So now I've just outed myself, but you know, until the, the zoom video was on, I'm going that name, that name. Yeah, I, and that's a perfect example, right? That it was unexpected, caught me off guard, but but I felt the support that he was giving me in that moment through just those those few words. Michael and, and I, I worked together in Mayor Ballard's office for a couple of years, so I could tell you his his praise and and words of encouragement were genuine. And if you haven't met Helen Huber, his wife, you definitely should. She is she is a wonderful wonderful person, great sense of humor. They're a terrific couple. Amanda, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I would just like to mention two people. Um, one is the late Betty Cockrum, who I consider my mentor, who was the CEO of Planned Parenthood. She was a big supporter of ours. And Michael Arnold. I don't know if you know him or if I'm even pronouncing his name correctly, but he helped fund the Center for Investigative Journalism at IU. And he's been one of our biggest champions and feeding us great stories as well as good business, about stories about good business acumen. It's always wonderful. I mean, any, anyone will tell you, you know, you can only be positive from within yourself and improvement from, don't let anyone else affect your mood or, or uh, make you happy or sad, but it is, it is warming when you get people who you, whom you respect, reach out and say, either by surprise or intentional, great job. Let me know if you need anything. I want to be helpful. Um, it really makes a difference, especially as Leslie's been discussing in an entrepreneurial setting where you're just like, I hope this works. I'm going to work my tail off and I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to assume a bunch of risk and I'm willing to jump off the cliff and hope for better things and hope to make an impact. Anybody want to come with me? And some folks do and some folks don't. Can well, I we, say, Robert, that we appreciate you as well. You've, you've also been a good supporter of Indie Maven. Well, my friend, my friend, I know Leslie a little bit, but my friendship with you, Amanda, is very, very important to me. You're a wonderful, wonderful person and a great mommy and a hell of a terrific political sparring partner. We've so, reached. Go ahead, Leslie. I wanted to point out one thing. I, I don't know if we really touched on this, but Amanda was my mentor slash is my mentor, too. So that has been such a special part of this journey is to have Amanda has been my boss, my friend, my mentor has played so many different roles in my life. I mean, she drove up to Michigan for my mom's funeral. Like there have been so many key moments in my life telling her about my first pregnancy that I just want to point out, you know, this, this runs deep and it works because we have made this, you know, I don't know, 10 year now, work working relationship that evolved into a friendship um and i think that's really important to note and then also i just wanted to point out i know you know we just talked about noteworthy names and, and recognition um i had the experience yesterday we got a note from a woman that owns a company called bitch sticks and they make chapsticks and like muscle body rubs and some products um and they 
she donates um, proceeds back to domestic violence uh, shelters and survivors. And she is sold at a lot of local businesses. Homespun comes to mind, but you can find her at a couple different places. Well, her product was in our holiday gift guide. And our executive ad, uh, editor, Abby Gardner, went on to Fox 59, as I mentioned, and mentioned Bitch Sticks because that's in our holiday gift guide. And of course, they had to blur the name out. You <laughs> may be bleeping it out, uh, Chris, after this. But we got a note from her yesterday that was like, that was so brave of you. I don't often get recognition or attention from the press because they don't want to say my product's name. And thank you because this makes a difference in the life of domestic violence survivors and like that gives me chills so just as much as I, I you know having Betty support and Michael and you know the, the the names out there like that was a small note from a small business owner and I am gonna put that up on my desk because that that really drives me and lord knows small businesses need the help that's for sure so you're filling a void, anything you can do in any circumstance to just mention a name, as you said, or be supportive in a way that doesn't necessarily bring you anything. We've done it a few times here. We, we have a pretty significant uh, donation program, uh, which is why I was saying, please send me a membership email and we'll get right on it uh, because it's important because the government can't do everything for you. And one of the things that's so wonderful, whether it's on social media or if you see it for yourself is people lined up outside the door just to help this business that says, unless we start doing better, we're going to close. And one of the powers that Indy Maven's going to have, much like the media does, uh, is you're going to be able to uplift so many people and to give recognition where perhaps it's been due for a long time and it hasn't been received for uh, the female entrepreneurs and difference makers in the community here in Indianapolis. Uh, it's a thrill to have you on the Leaders and Legends podcast, but we are not going to let Leslie get away before she answers the five questions. I love turning the tables on on current or former journalists. You must answer these questions, Leslie. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was your first job? Worked at a law firm. What was your first concert? Raffi. Who? <laughs> Rafi, he was a children's artist that was very popular in the 80s. I believe he's from Canada. He's amazing. Hits include Baby Beluga, uh, Down by the Bay. You should probably look him up. Amanda's already done the five questions when she came on the podcast with Stevie Stays. Amanda, what was your first concert, just to refresh our memory? Um, Eddie Rabbit with my parents in Maryville, Indiana. Now, there's, a, there's a man with some hits. I'm sorry, who? <laughs> I love a rainy night, driving my life away. I was, I don't know how old I was. It was just fun to be out with my parents. We got dressed up. <laughs> like an Eddie Money knockoff. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I love that when you have guests on and they're of different generations, the, 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 <laughs> the answers you get and the responses they go back and forth is so fun. That what was, was yours, Robert? Uh, Van Halen. El Paso, Texas. I was in the army and it was my very first. Well, I mean, if you don't count Johnny Mathis with my mother at Starlight Musicals, right? But the first concert ticket I purchased with my own money uh, was uh, was Van Halen. It was one of those events you're like, why the hell did I wait so long to go to concerts? Uh, Leslie, oh, number th- With my own money was TLC, if that's what we're talking. My parents took oh. me to Rafi. I spent good, hard-earned law firm money on TLC. <laughs> Unless I was still alive. 
Yes. All right. That's a, that's an answer we can accept here. That's a, that's <laughs> on the record. Number three, if you could suggest, Leslie, if you could suggest any book for someone to read, which book would you recommend? Oh my gosh, that is hard. You can't ask a writer to choose a book. Oh my God. Amanda, help me. I know. I'm, I'm looking at my... Um... <laughs> I never got away with giving that answer to any reporter from the Indianapolis Star. You can't ask me that. That's just too hard. That's true. I refuse to. That's too hard. I'm trying to think. Like, the portable Dorothy Parker. <laughs> but I've never read that. Honestly, <laughs> I just pulled it out of my bookcase. <laughs> I just basically got a book recommendation out of this question. <laughs> I, I, there, I can't. There's no. I don't have like a profound. Maybe I should like firm up these answers. I don't have like a book that changed my life. I feel like every month, well, not lately, cause I don't do a lot of reading, but um, Amanda and I, as she mentioned, you know, we would collect women, but we'd also go on tangents about famous women. So Diana Vreedland was an obsession for a year, Zelda Fitzgerald. So reading a lot of books around them, um, we will kind of, I think at the same time, dive into a subject, oh, have you read about this woman? And we'll, we'll share a book. Um, I, I love reading books about famous women. So that's my genre. If I, that's the closest I can give you. I'm sorry. Number four, if you could witness any event in history, which event would you choose? <sighs> any event in history. Was this this hard for you, Amanda? Yes. I don't even remember what I said. They're tough questions. You know what I would have loved to have seen? I would have loved to have seen my parents get married. I did a TV show one time and was asked the question, which event in history would you like to see? And there was a multiple. And one of my answers was the moment my parents met. Oh, that is such a good one. Because the day my parents met, my mom had talked to a psychic and she said, you will meet a man on the water. And that night, my mom met my dad in a Mexican bar on Grand River Avenue in Detroit. And she was like, oh, on the water. I met a man on the water. And everybody in the bar, when he walked in, said, Roger. And so my mom said, Roger. And he said, do I know you? And she was like, no, it just seemed that everybody else did. And they connected and the rest is history. So yeah, I guess I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that Mexican restaurant bar, which yeah, they no did later take me back to. Oh, that's terrific. My parents were both in the Marine Corps when they met. And so it would have been nice to see them walk into the wherever they met at Paris Island, South Carolina on the Marine base and have someone say, Hey, John, this is Anna. Anna, this is John. And know everything. Absolutely. Uh, Amanda, you want to take another shot at it? Um, Yeah. Can I please see Eve hand that apple to Adam? Start of all of our problems. You are <laughs> Last question, Leslie and Amanda too, of course, if you want to take another shot at it. Question number five, if you could have dinner with anyone living today, two hours off the record, whom would you choose? And Amanda, your answer would be different because I remember the first time I believe you chose Betty Cockrum, who we've lost. I pick Cher right now. Um, I, I would love to have a two hour off the record conversation with her. And did you see she was just in the news recently for saving a lonely elephant at a bad zoo and got him relocated to a better place? No, oh, good for her. Oh, no, I want to have dinner with Cher. 
She's still kicking ass. She is. Gosh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go, and this is very of the moment, but, and I, I know I'm late to this party, but Dolly Parton. Yes. We need to go to Dollywood. Oh, yes. Let's do that. <laughs> London, Dollywood. We've got plenty of places to see. Uh, Dolly Parton, to, to Amanda's point about Cher, is, she's another one who stepped up in yeah. this time of crisis. Absolutely. You have been listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmond Construction, the Crown Plaza Hotel, Grand Hall, and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the law firm of Bose, McKinney, and Evans, and the Bose Public Affairs Group, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. Our guests today have been Amanda Kingsbury, and Leslie Bailey, co-founders of Indie Maven. Thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. Please send me a membership application and congratulations on your one-year anniversary. And please come back on. Thank you. Always good to see you, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's robert at veteranstrategies.com. Thank you.